Flores, Flores, Flores. Pretty much means flowers, just for your FYI. Uh, the journey up there was great, was great fun. Uh, getting from San, uh, San Augustine, Laquin. We left early in the morning. Pretty much headed on the, the Ruta 5. Hit a few other word, uh, roads as well. I stopped off for, you know, light lunch somewhere and, and headed up into Flores. Uh, we ended up in Flores later on that afternoon. Most of the day was spent in a Collectivo, so not necessarily ideal. And Aaron and I were also looking at the at, at the time as well, knowing that we still needed to get around uh, a part of Mexico as well, because uh, we had to end up in Cancun in just a couple of weeks' time. Flores itself is, is divided into, well, kind of divided into two places. So you have the little tiny fortified island, uh, which is in the middle of the lake. I think it's the Lago Petanitsa from, from memory. And then that's connected to the mainland via a bridge. And that part of the mainland is also called Flores as well. And by the time we nestled into our, our hostel, uh, we decided to stay there for three nights. Number one, night one, sort of relax, get used to your surroundings. Uh, day number two would be pretty much, I think, a day at leisure as such, having a sort of look around, not doing too much. And then the third day would be uh, off to Tikal, spend the day in Tikal, come back, and then sort out buses to figure out how the hell to get out of Guatemala into Mexico itself, and then where to go in Mexico too. Not really a lot to report back from uh, Flores, uh, apart from the fact it was a nice, quaint, quiet place. Uh, we spent a couple of days doing our own thing. I uh, ended up going to a few malls. I had to get a new iPhone charger. Uh, I'd been without a proper charger since Argentina, uh, which hasn't, hadn't been easy to deal with. But thankfully, you know, we weren't on our phones all the time anyway. I ended up getting a haircut and having a great chat with the barber for about an hour. Uh, admittedly, the, air, the haircut took about five minutes, but the, the conversation itself for about an hour was cool. And again, it was all in Spanish, you know, great for him, really useful for myself as well. I ended up having a few beers here and there, nothing really to shout home about, about Flores, the place itself. Uh, the key reason for us being there was to head over to Tikal. Now you can, if you're lucky, you can stay in and around Tikal if you want. We decided the best thing to do was a guided tour from Flores. Uh, it involved getting up, I think, at four o'clock in the morning. It's about an hour, hour and a half journey. Uh, then we, what we'd be able to do is have a guided tour around Tikal, view the sunrise over Tikal as well, and then spend a few you know, extra hours there. It's quite a big site, and it's also got some incredibly large temples. Now, the great advantage of Tikal is it's one of the best understood of the lowland Maya cities. I said, this isn't a history podcast. Go and, you know, research a lot more about the Maya. It's one of the largest archaeological sites and urban centres of Maya civilization, located in northern Guatemala. Surprise, surprise. That's where we are. It's a World Heritage Site, and it's also part of the Tikal National Park. We didn't know this at the time, but we later found this out, that there is concrete evidence that Tikal was conquered by Teotihuacan 
in the 4th century AD. Now that's well before Aztec times, of course, but there is evidence there to suggest that Teotihuacan uh, conquered Tikal. If you don't know what Teotihuacan is, uh, check out the temple complex on Google. It's uh, just to the northeast of Mexico City. Not been there yet, but my word, that looks absolutely incredible. I cannot wait to get to that site. Uh, it's going to be absolutely brilliant. The other great advantage of Tikal is it's well documented, i.e. it's got a long dynastic ruler list. Uh, there's been discovery of loads of tombs and again as a result of the steles and everything like that they've been able to figure out who ruled when and what happened. So it's, it's a relatively well preserved place which is pretty funky. It's also got some incredibly high buildings, uh, some of the highest known buildings that the Maya ever produced and if I'm not mistaken Temple 4 I think it is is the highest one on the site. The guided tour was brilliant the guy's really informative he was uh, mentioning about summer solstices winter solstices the fact that you know, again they pretty much worship the sun so a lot of things similar to what we'd learned about the Inca in Peru similar things about the way they design their buildings, the way they design, you know, the layouts of each Maya site, what was going on. He'd also pointed out, I don't know whether this is true or not, it might have been, it might not have been. He was talking about the Maya calendar, but also uh, mentioned that uh, they built 365 buildings in Tikal. I'm probably going to call bullshit on that. It sounded a bit too good to be true, that did. But going into the sciences of the calendars, this, that, this, that, this, that was, it was absolutely remarkable to, to hear. Going back to the Maya briefly, um, not many people quite understand or, or how or what happened to the Maya. It, it's difficult to assess. There's not really a lot of evidence to, to give concrete evidence as, as to what happened. Could have been a number of things. Could have been invasion, unlikely, but possible. Drought, uh, the fact that they used quite a lot of trees and everything to create uh, if you remember we spoke about this thing called stucco that they like to design everything with the that took a lot of trees to create not a lot of stucco so a deforestation basically might have attributed to uh, the Maya falling but the site itself to cows massive we were sat in the main plaza for a little bit we saw the sunrise from uh, temple one temple two uh, with with the tour guide we were then left pretty much to our own devices, but were told to go to the top of Temple 4, which you could do quite easily because uh, they'd put in a new staircase, a new modern staircase for that. Temple 4, mesmerising. The design of it is almost unique because it's not your normal temple as such because the back of it, Certainly, the like the headstone of the temple is flat; it's vertical, which is very uncommon. In, to my understanding, in my archaeology, 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 in my archaeology, it's very unique. In my archaeology, that is so. That's really what makes Temple Four uh, a wonderful place to walk up. And we we must have gone up there and, and sat there for about an hour hour and a half again you're looking around 
the other sites, you're looking at the tops of the other temples, you're kind of just taking it in, you're breathing it in, you know, holy shit, we're in Takao, we're in Guatemala, we're looking at this amazing site that we don't know a lot about, but we know a bit about now, it's it's desolate, it's in the middle of nowhere, there's not many people here, um, but when we said that, a few tour groups started to um, appear, which is absolutely fine, uh, is what it is. And really from there, we just we just walked around the site. We didn't see every building. There was no need for us to see absolutely every building. I think by the time we got to about midday, half 12, we'd been there about, you know, seven or eight hours. We were a bit templed out and we thought it'd be a good time to, you know, go back into Flores, have a siesta. If you're ever in the area and you ever get the chance to go and see Tikal, I would advise staying in and around uh, Flores. And you can also stay around Santa Elena as well. They're both about 40 miles southwest of, of Tikal. But, you know, recommend staying in those places and always in these sorts of places. Do take do take a guided tour. They are, they're well worth it. Not necessarily for every single uh, monument or, or archaeological site, but, you know, when you're in places like Tikal, do take a guided tour. One of the other things that was quite interesting about the Maya especially in places like Tikal, is that there's no water source. So you're not next to a river or anything like that. You, I mean, you're quite far away from the nearest body of water. And I learned this on later trips to Mexico of how they dealt with it. They basically created these massive, uh, built in these massive uh, drum, underground drums that would, once the rains hit at a certain time of year, these drums would store all the water or reservoirs is probably the best way to uh, describe them. And that would provide enough water for year round use. Again, little things like that are just very, very interesting to learn about. Apparently, although we didn't see it, there is a fully refurbished uh, reservoir uh, that's fully functioning in the site of Tikal as well. Rather than me just sort of go through it, I just recommend uh, check out Tikal on Wikipedia. Uh, that will tell you pretty much everything you need to know. Uh, do some Google images as well of of the sites. Um, you know, the Lost Pyramid, the North Acropolis, all the, you know, Temple 1, 2, 3, 4, you know, all of these uh, sorts of things. Uh, what I will say about Temple 4, going back to it, is one of the tallest temples ever built by the Maya. Some say it is the largest ever built. Um, it's possible that El Mirador is slightly higher. It's possible that Teotihuacan, the Pyramid of the Sun, is slightly higher. But at, at present, uh, it's widely accepted that Temple 4 in Takawa is the uh, tallest temple pyramid uh, in Maya civilization. It's about 70 meters high, which again, given the fact that it was probably built in, I don't know, anywhere between the 5th and 9th century AD, uh, is remarkably impressive possibly even earlier than that. I'm just going on the dates that I'm aware of or what we were told at the time. So apologies if any of that is wrong. That's what I'm going with because that's what we were told. Takao was done. Flores was done. In fact, Guatemala was done. We decided that the following day we should head over into Mexico. There's a couple of ways that we could have done it. What was cool was that this, remember we bought a bus ticket back in Honduras that got us through Guatemala. The same bus ticket actually also provided us with a journey to into Mexico. And we could go as, given where we were, we could easily get over to Palenque. 
We didn't know a lot about Palenque at all, apart from the fact it's in the Chiapas region of Mexico, and we knew that we could get there from bus, by bus from Flores, easily in a day into Palenque. And we knew that there were some Maya sites in Palenque that, again, the Lonely Planet was saying was well worth it. So that's what we've done. It was a relatively straightforward journey. Uh, border control was interesting. Now, my views on Mexico have certainly changed over the years for a variety of reasons. I think at the time, you're kind of giving in to the Western media that we get fed and the crap that we get fed. Because we were just expecting drugs everywhere, no one giving a shit, cartels, this, that, this, that, this, that. Because, you know, that's all Mexico's, that's all Mexico's famed for. You know, drugs, sombreros and tacos. There you are. That's Mexico in a nutshell. That's pretty much what we were thinking at the time. Border crossing was entertaining because I had to explain in my best Spanish that all the cigars that I bought, I wasn't smuggling them into Mexico, that they were there for presents, regalos. They were presents for friends and family and that we were flying back to uh, England uh, in a few weeks' time. So, yeah, uh, it took about 20 minutes to get through border control, uh, explaining to the mean-looking people with their uh, guns uh, that these cigars were just presents. Uh, luckily, there was no trace of white stuff anywhere on us. Otherwise, we would have probably been in the shit and I wouldn't be recording this podcast now from Hull. Finally got into Palenque, popped into a hostel. We got a bit ahead of ourselves because whilst we were at the bus station, we booked our bus tickets for a few days later to head up to Campeche. By now, we're looking at the clock quite a lot. We knew that we had to be in Cancun in you know, maybe 10 or 11 days time, maybe 12 days time. We don't, didn't really know what to expect. So we were just booking stuff willy-nilly, trying to you know, be a bit of ahead ourselves as, as possible. But we knew two nights in Palenque would probably do the job. Number one, because we'd arrived late that afternoon, we could spend basically the full day we had in Palenque um, heading around the ruins, uh, having a wander around town in the evening, and then early morning, get the bus up to Campeche. And that's where we're going to pick off. Uh, that's where we're going to pick up. In next week's episode, we're going to start in Palenque and we're going to be blown away by what we saw at the ruins. Uh, and then uh, we'll teach you a funny lesson about salsas. Catch us next week. Hasta luego.